0: campus is taking it to another level starting august 28th book in your college saturday with the c2c team in every saturday of the college football regular season at 10 a.m eastern come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the saturday slate of games start sits players to keep an eye on and college dfs lineups then the late show with coast to coast we take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances whose values increased or decreased the most and Those out of nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on the tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. Campus to Canton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. summer school is back in session welcome back everybody to the special episode here of campus life as always i am austin and this is colin Colin, you're, you're checking in from the road today, huh? On your way out here to the expo. I am. I am um,
1: checking in from the old hometown. i uh, staying at my brother's place, and then we're going to leave from there.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see you tomorrow. Basically, the whole C2C crew is going to be there. Only a couple of us are missing out. Um, I think it's going to be a fun weekend. We, we've got a presentation planned. We've, we, we've got all sorts of things going on. So um, it's, uh, it's going to be a sleepless night tonight, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. Giddy with excitement. I'm not looking forward to waking up at 7 a.m. and driving five hours, but still giddy with excitement.
0: You know, I've, a giddy is a word that I often use to describe you. So I'm glad Me? that you yeah, – Yeah. 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 Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, <laughs> so for those of you who haven't been listening to these episodes uh, recently, uh, we are taking a break from Canton Bound, the NFL side of the Campus to Canton podcast, uh, because we want to spend – our last ten episodes leading up to the season, previewing the ten conferences across college football. Each episode is a different conference. We've made it through four episodes so far. We've hit the Sun Belt, the MAC, CUSA, and the AAC. And tonight we are heading west to the Mountain West, um, and um, it should be a good one. There's a, a lot of good players in this conference. They're not a G five or they're not a uh, not a P five, but um, you know, w- with the amount of talent here, they. It could be. There's a couple teams very well represented, and then a couple teams that just—I'm um, <laughs> sorry for them and their fans. <laughs> yeah, that sounds
1: about right. That's where a lot of these uh, G5 conferences have kind of broken down.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's very—they're very, very top heavy. But I mean, so are some of the the, the power five conferences as well. So uh, very true. Can't hold like it against big, them too much. The Big Ten East, right? Oh my God, the Big. T- so we called that episode the Big Ten East. And i I called it on the on the c2C feed big least, 10 least.
1: <laughs> I saw that yeah that, that was, was nice that that was that, that little, was your
0: that, yeah, that was some editorial uh, you know judgment that i that I did there uh, to nice. change that well, it didn't help that they made me talk about Michigan State Rutgers and Maryland like they could
1: have at least given you
0: Penn state well i I'm pretty sure I might
1: have said I don't want Penn State uh, okay, well, I mean obviously Matt's taken Ohio State. I mean, not like he doesn't talk about Ohio State enough, but uh, and then same with Felix and Michigan stand up, uh, you know, so y- your options
0: were limited. Yes. Yes. Very limited, especially um, if you ruled out Penn State. Yeah, I-, I can't talk about Penn State in good conscience uh, here or there. I couldn't do a whole a whole breakdown on them. Um, you guys would have I- I- I'm predicting them at zero wins this year, though. So you guys would be able to hear that um, in my preview. So. Okay, or did you find a sports book who will take that? Because I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll, we'll discuss terms uh, this week. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, and we do have a special guest here with us tonight for our cram session. Uh, Mr. Matthew Bruning, uh, a.k.a. Judge Devereaux, will be joining us to talk about... Uh, Some of his predictions here for the upcoming season. But before we hop into everything, uh, we do have to say that this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points media group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy podcast, the Play to Win podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points podcast. You can follow all of them at one place on Twitter, at Fantasy Points Live, or check out their Friday drops. I believe this week is going to be a Saturday drop that recaps the week and the fantasy points media group. All right, Colin. Camps have started. We talked about that earlier this week. So of course we have news. Um, some of it, some of it injury related. So obviously some negative stuff, but but some positive stuff here too. Guys making an early first impression. I think the biggest piece of news since we recorded last, which was on Monday, and today is friday minnesota wide receiver chris ottman bell reportedly left practice uh yesterday i believe after a tackle bent him up awkwardly they he had to be assisted off the field and there hasn't been any follow-up news on that but it does not sound great for him he was expected to be their wide receiver one this year to really take on a lot of the role that was rashad bateman's last year so what are we doing with this whole passing attack, if Chris Ottman Bell isn't there? I mean, I
1: still kind of always want PJ Fleck wide receiver one. It doesn't really seem to matter who the quarterback is there or what caliber of quarterback it is. He just kind of always peppers his wide receiver one with targets. So I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that, you know, maybe it was just. He got bent awkwardly and sprained a ligament in his knee, or something like that. And it's not anything that'll be season-ending or anything like that. Because Ottman Bell is a guy that I like a lot. But if it is, you know, for the worst, um, I, I still do want the wide receiver one there. So I'm, I'm still interested in that role in this offense, at least.
0: I, I am too. Uh, and I've been so when I, I started on Twitter, I think about two years ago. Um, with my current account. And one of the first players that I highlighted was Chris Ottman Bell. He just kind of caught my eye uh, when he was still there with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. He was there he he was kind of their their third fiddle, so to speak. he he's he's been a tremendous he's he's been tremendous for them. He's physical. He's a good athlete. He's got strong hands. I think he really could have rounded himself into a day two selection this year with a strong year there in that offense. Now, if he's out, I mean, he, I, I would assume he's probably going to have to come back. I don't know where he could get drafted on, on that. But but if he's out for the year, I think we're pivoting to Daniel Jackson. I think that's got to be the first guy you look at. Um, last year, uh, he was a four-star in last year's class. Started off the season really slowly, but they also had COVID. They only played five games. It, it, he kind of picked up steam the last few games and finished the season with 12 catches, 167 yards. He's got to be the guy. How do you feel about Dylan Wright, the transfer in from uh, Texas A&M, I believe? He was a four-star a couple years ago, a big, athletic, raw kid um, that I liked coming out of high school just for the sheer fact that, that just how good of an athlete he is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still I, I like Dylan Wright, um, big, athletic. You know, those are, those are good traits in a wide receiver for sure. I think he was kind of raw. I don't think he developed a lot at Texas A&M. I think he can do some developing at Minnesota, especially with P.J. Fleck and his track history with wide receivers. Um, but I don't know if this is Dylan Wright's year. I think you know he'll probably be fine. He'll be a wide res- the wide receiver too there. I don't know how much I want him for fantasy purposes. He's definitely worth a stash at least. Um, but I'm, I'm more in on the Daniel Jackson train. He Daniel Jackson kind of fits a little bit more of what PJ Fleck wide receivers typically look like, um, you know, traits-wise and everything. So and he was in the system last year too, at least. So I, I think I would go Daniel Jackson over Wright, but he's Wright still at least intriguing.
0: So I, I disagree with you a little bit here. I, I that offense, I know you said they pepper the the wide receiver one with a lot of targets, but the wide receiver two gets his as well. I'm trying to pull up That's really true. quickly here, so I can yeah. look and just see, you know, how um, their wide receiver two has done over the past several years. I mean, granted, I, they've had two very talented guys there, but yeah, I mean, um, I think
1: the the big hype recently with his wide receiver two has been mostly due to Bateman. Um, I mean, going back to Western Michigan when he had Corey Davis. I don't know, even know who that number two wide receiver was, but Corey Davis put up insane numbers, and I'm pretty sure he still holds the single season record for most wide receiver uh, for most yards by receiving yards by a wide receiver. Um, so it, in the at the uh, FBS level, at least. Um, but I, so I think the not resurgent, but like the the numbers that you've been seeing with the wide receiver two lately have been more due to Rashad Bateman or Chris Ottman bell um, you know, those two being more talented, I, I think, than just him giving a lot of numbers, uh, stuff to his wide receiver, too, and targets to his wide receiver, too. I don't have that breakdown, though. Is that Did I stall long enough for you to pull it up?
0: <laughs> so I was really following you until you put the second caveat in there that Chris Ottman bell Like, Chris Ottman bell is a third-round NFL draft pick, probably if he hadn't gotten hurt this year and he had the year we thought he was going to have late, late second round, probably third round would have been about where he could go. And at that point, like, I don't, I, that's not a spell. Like if you would just said, yes, they were putting those numbers up with Rashad Bateman. I would have said, yeah, actually, that's a really good point that I've not really heard people discuss before. Um, But just to give you guys an idea. So I like Bateman put up like 60 and 72 catches as the wide receiver two in that offense. But last year in five games, Chris Ottman, so Rashad Bateman was the wide receiver one. He had 36 catches, 472 yards, and two touchdowns. Chris Ottman Bell had 22 for 430 and one. That's so through there, five games? Through five games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, well, so I think Ottman Bell actually played seven games. Bateman only played five because he opted Minnesota out, then opted in, and then he opted back out again. Do you remember okay. That?
1: I lost. I lose track of how many games some of the Big Ten teams played because I, f- I feel like some of them only played like a couple, and then others like Rutgers.
0: I think played like a like their full season. I think Rutgers played like nine. They made Rutgers play all those teams so that they could get enough games in. <laughs> to, like Ohio State, they're like, okay, we got we got to put somebody out there in case these guys make the playoff. Rutgers, <laughs> you're up. Poor records, um, so I mean, I, I think that there there is definitely room for two guys here. Whether Dan, I th- there's there's a separate argument to be made about whether Dylan Wright is ready for that kind of um, you know uh, those kind of targets and, and that kind of a role, but I I'm, I, I'm buying him now. I really, really am. I'm in a couple drafts right now. I feel comfortable saying it because I'm pretty sure the one we're in together, I'm up before you are again. And if he's there, I'm going to take him. I think we're in like the 40th round, like it's IDP. So there's some thrown off, but screw it. Um, I, I am going to do that. So don't trade up now. Oh, we can't trade in this draft. Oh, right. screwed. Sorry. Sorry. Yep, are you I'm sure down. you're up before me? Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: Now, I'm honestly in that one. I'm actually pretty good at wide receiver. Um, I I like the guys that I have there. So, And actually, I'm almost positive I have Altman Bell, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. So I guess my my final question on this, and I know we've spent a lot of time talking about Minnesota, which was probably not on a lot of people's bingo card as we uh, rolled up. um, You're welcome, Carl. Um, Does this hurt Tanner Morgan? I know that's a really weird question because I don't really – care about tanner morgan like i didn't the hype two years ago i had him as like a fifth round pick and people will get mad at me when i talk about that and then last year he showed us what he is he's 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 a day three late day three nfl draft pick there's nothing particularly exciting about him but you got to figure losing ottman bell like any fantasy value that he had is probably gone for this year right which was like the only thing making him moderately valuable in any sort of a campus to canton league
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, I fifth round pick feels about right. Um, you know, maybe even a little bit later, to be honest. But yeah, I think this kind of hurts his numbers. I think this was kind of still an offense that was going to feed Mo Ibrahim, but he probably would have given you some startable weeks here and there. But yeah, I think this hurts his value. And I, I was never really in on Tanner Morgan, but if I was, I would definitely not be now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't think I have any Tanner Morgan. Um, second big piece of news, and this probably rivals the first one, especially for CFF players. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA, finally returned to practice. He, they kept holding him out, but they weren't giving like any news updates or like timeline on exactly what was going on with him and whether he'd be back. People were freaking heck out over in the cff discord that i hang out in (laughs) about whether he'd be back or not i think we had like an official dtr watch going on we finally found him he was at practice he practiced today um that's good news for ucla who as i I talked to chris moxley about this the other day they took they play week zero they play against hawaii the opening weekend there they're one of like the four or five games I think that he told me that, that all the sports books took that game off of their, like, you couldn't bet on it anymore because they were worried that DTR wasn't going to play and the line was, like, 17 and a half, like, plus 17 and a, and a half for Hawaii. Oh. And they were going to get crushed on that if he doesn't play because they don't yeah. have a backup. quarter. I think their backup's, like, what, Parker McQuarrie or something? like Parker McQuarrie or Ethan Garbers. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They do have Garbers there. I forgot. Um, So, like, n- nobody that you'd... you'd You feel pretty good about that 17 and a half points that you could get for Hawaii. Um, But he's back. So do you uh, rejoice? Are you a DTR guy? You are, right? Um,
1: Yeah, I like DTR. Um, I like DTR more for fantasy than for for real life NFL. But, you know, my bold prediction was that, you know, due to his traits and everything like that, I think he has a big year this year. I think he, you know, sneaks into the back half of the first. Um, So, yeah, I like DTR. Definitely rejoice that he's back. Uh, it was a little shady, like around it. They just weren't giving any information, but you know, that's college football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. College football. They got, they, they have to do something about that if they're going to allow all this NIL and sports gambling. And stuff. yeah, like that's part of the bad that comes in with the good. Everyone gets to make their money. Now you got to tell me when, uh, when, when DTR's got a sprained toe. I mean, that's just how it is. So sorry about it, guys. <laughs>
1: Well, let's hope it's not a toe because he's a runner.
0: Yeah, I, I actually don't know what it was with him, um, but I, I'm glad to hear he's back. Third piece of news. I'm getting concerned for Ole Miss. I think this is an offense that we... I think the offense will do okay because they have Lane Kiffin there and they have Matt Corral. But outside of those two, there are so many question marks on this offense. We have no idea what the target distribution is going to look like here. And this, the news piece here is that John Reese Plumley has been moved to wide receiver. He is no longer the backup quarterback there. And he has a wide receiver now on fan hit John Reese Plumley and Jerry and Ely have been getting snaps in the slot because Braylon Sanders has been a little banged up and they don't have a lot of other experience there. Like we think we like Jonathan Mingo, But he hasn't lived up to the billing yet. And beyond that, it's just there were question marks. Everyone was dinged up during the spring. We had no idea what to project that wide receiver room. And now this seems like one of those teams that everyone thinks is going to be solid this year and just totally craps the bed.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's kind of leaning more and more that direction, too. Uh, People were kind of hyping them up as somebody who could uh, make a little bit of noise in the SEC this year, like upset some people. But if they can't get these offensive pieces in line, I don't see who they're going to upset because that defense was atrocious last year. Um, so if their offense isn't good and their defense isn't good, then they're in trouble. I I'm also still concerned for all the Braylon Sanders shares that I have because I have a lot of Braylon Sanders. I, I I don't love Jonathan Mingo. I feel like Sanders was it was. For for the value he was going at, I felt like he had just as good of a chance to be their lead wide receiver this year. But John Reese Plumley's kind of intriguing, um, and it's good to see that you know Fantrax actually has something right. You know they don't have half of the freshman class in Fantrax yet, but they moved John Reese Plumley over to wide receiver and, and Eric Gilbert too. They got that done.
0: They have that done, but they have two two effing Justin Flows still in the (laughs) damn database. They have Jordan Hornbeak, who we're going to talk about later, as a defensive lineman. I've seen guys' names misspelled. But they have time to go in and change John Reese Plumlee over to wide receiver. So thank you guys for – they had Calvin Turner at, at cornerback for a while too, by the way. Did they fix um, that?
1: Because I saw you they, took him in that IDP league. <laughs>
0: so I thought they were going to leave him like that all year. And I was like, well, fuck yeah. I'm going to take 30 points a week out of my, my starting <laughs> corner. <laughs> but they, they already took that eligibility away yeah. from him, sadly. Uh, I wonder if I could have just left him there. Uh, but I already I already took him out of the spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't really know what to expect there. Maybe that, that position change, or it's not a position change for Ely, but some slot work might be good for him. Cause I don't think he's a running back at the next level. We've so, had this discussion. Yeah.
1: But if he starts getting more time in the slot, is that more time than more snaps for uh parish, parish junior or Snoop
0: Conner? Probably, probably. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying one of them is going to be the guy over the other, but yes, I think it, that would, that would open up the, the door for, both of them to get some more touches there do you have a favorite of those two
1: i probably lean parish um but i
0: don't really have a strong feeling either way yeah yeah i I've, I've never heard anybody say like oh i'm gonna go draft snoop connor but i've heard some people that want st- to yeah want to stash henry Parrish. i think he's a little more intriguing uh, of an athlete there um and look he looked solid he flashed last year uh in some limited touches so um but definitely probably a team that we should be monitoring as the season gets closer. Uh, news piece number four, uh, Missouri's Tyler Beatty reportedly gained, I think, the exact amount that I saw was 23 pounds this year to help him endure the rigors of the SEC. It's going to be uh, purportedly they're starting running back this year. He was listed at 194, I believe, last season. So if I'm, I'm on my fingers and toes here doing the math, that puts him at like 117. Right, so or a two seventeen. Yeah. So, um, that's great. We're size not math approach. guys, so I mean, I do math all day for a living. So it's, I hope none of my clients listen to this. It's a little concerning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um two seventeen. That's nice size, though. He's a really good pass catching back. Like I, I, that I think people thought that might be his ceiling, but if he can maintain, you know, ninety percent of his athleticism at that size. That that's a, a a prospect that I think you should be keeping your eyes on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, he's a guy that he's a guy that was kind of flying a little under the radar as it was, but um, size was definitely a bit of a concern. But like you said, you know, twenty pounds added onto him gets him, you know, to that two fifteen ish mark. Um, that's that's lead back. That's you know, workhorse back size, and with his pass catching ability already there, uh, that's a nice combo. So the It'll be interesting to see how that affects him, like you said, but I do still think that regardless of how it ends up affecting his athleticism, I think he's still going to have like some really nice fantasy weeks this year and where you were taking him, you were kind of more taking him for a college producer and this, you know, wherever you took him, it's probably a value at this point.
0: Oh yeah. I have a lot of Tyler Beatty. I'm I'm writing this article right now. Just some of my, um, the guys I have the most of across my rosters. And I believe he's in the article. I, I've got like the tally up. Um, his ADP in July was 382, Oof. which is basically stealing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he's, he's definitely a guy that I think, I think is in for a big year. If he stays healthy at that weight. Yeah. Cause he can, he, can, he has a three down skill set. He's not, he's not a thumper and they, they lose Larry Roundtree. They, they need a guy to step into that role. Uh, so I think it's going to be him. Mookie Cooper and Connor Baslak, and nobody else in that offense is going to do anything this year for fantasy. So,
1: probably not. Um, what was the other receiver? Love it. Yeah. I like Dominic
0: Love it, but I definitely don't think he's doing anything this year. No, just intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Four star kid. Um, local. Yeah. Um, two. Oh, no. We have three pieces of news last. Holy crap. Okay. Clemson news. Two. Who filled out this show sheet? Man, what an idiot. Um, Will Shipley is tearing it up at camp, which I guess probably shouldn't be that surprising. He was the number one all-purpose back in this year's class, yeah, um, and was you know a very high-end four-star recruit. Um, but I, I think P- the 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 talk of all these other guys, you know, Kobe Pace, Phil Maffa, some of these other bo- Lynn J Dixon, some of these other bodies that they have there, I think we're putting some people off of Will Shipley a little bit, including myself. But they're saying like he's just the most athletic guy there, like on the whole team. Like they run sprints and he whoops everybody every single time. He's competitive, he wants to do well. I think I effed up. I think I don't have any Will Shipley. He's going to kill it this year, isn't he? By like week five, Will Shipley is going to be the guy. We're going to say Phil Maffa, who? We're going to say Kobe Pace, who? We're going to say Lynn J. J. Dixon, who? And Will Shipley is going to be just his value is going to be through the roof.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you there too. I don't have any Will Shipley. He was just going in a range this year that like, I wasn't really looking at running backs. And we mentioned that a little bit in one of the past shows. You know, I don't really, I don't have any LJ Johnson either. Um, I just, I, I didn't love any of the freshman backs besides Travion Henderson. Will Shipley's high school tape was pretty much all him. Like just getting around the outside on the edge and then just taking it like 80 yards. Like there wasn't a ton of stuff between the tackles. I mean, he caught a lot of passes too, which is definitely nice. But there wasn't a lot of stuff between the tackles. So that was one of the things that concerned me. And then like you said, there all of the other bodies that they had there that were getting a little bit of hype here and there, or they were saying we're going to get carries this year. Kind of put me off of him a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that I could see – You know what? We they get Georgia week one. They probably won't use him a ton in there, but he'll probably get a couple carries. And then I don't know what the schedule looks like after that, but he'll have like a big like week three or four and then just gradually keep getting more and more carries because he's like you said, he's the most explosive guy on that team. So I think by the end of the year, there's a good chance he could be the starter, like the lead back there. And we could look pretty dumb.
0: Yeah, um, I'm a little bummed out about about this development, Um, but good for him. I mean, he was my RB two in the class. I I like him a lot. Mine as well.
1: I just I think there was a huge separation between him and Henderson for me, and I just I didn't like. I said I didn't love any of the other backs in this class and where they were going. I just in ADP, I just didn't end up with them.
0: Yeah, tough to swallow some of those ADPs this offseason for those guys. Um, The other big name there at Clemson camp is not uh Dakari Collins. It's not Bo Collins. It's not any of these other guys. It's Troy Stolato, a wide receiver that really nobody was drafting in, in freshman drafts and, and C2C draft uh, startups. Um, but maybe we should have been. I mean he he was a four-star kid in his own, right? Uh, he was the number 30 wide receiver in the composite. Um, wasn't like a borderline three or four-star. He was a he was a 0.9253 Like that, that's still a pretty solid uh rating all around there 6-1. Um so I don't there's a discrepancy here. So 24-7 has him at 6-1-198. Clemson has him at 6-1-175. Oof. So either he lost an arm or <laughs> somebody uh 24-7, probably a little bit wrong there. But regardless, they they've said that he his route running, he just has like some of those nuances like pacing uh and the ability, you know, some of that hip flexibility. He just gets open no matter what. He probably won't do anything this year, but I I think he is more on radars now or should be than he was a couple weeks ago before this, this uh, preseason started. Yeah, um, definitely a guy to put on watch lists and keep an
1: eye on. I don't know if I would pick him up right now just because of the sheer number of bodies they have in that room. And it does sound like Justin Ross is going to play the slot. So, you know, he's probably looking at Statello is probably looking at, you know, a second team right now, which, you know, that's good for a freshman, but he's the type of guy that I could see. He's getting some hype. People are going to pick him up. He's not going to do anything. Then they'll drop him for whatever hot name free agent it is. He's a guy that you then pick up at the end of the year, you know, those last couple of weeks, just with an eye towards next year because Ross will be gone. Nada and Ladson could both leave. Um, but even if they would, were to stick around or whatever, you know, I, he's would probably be the next guy up in the slot.
0: Yes, they do have another slot guy coming in next year. Weirdly enough, they don't, uh, they have one guy next year. That's like five nine, one seventy 170 or something. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that battle shakes out. I forget what that kid's name is. Brennan something. I think, um, Brennan Thompson, maybe. Um, but regardless, as Stilato should be on your radar, if he's a free agent and you have open waivers throughout the year, I'd suggest maybe go putting in a bid on him, just in case. You never really know. Uh Two pieces of news left, guys. Dontavian Wicks. Who? Yeah, that was yes. what I said. <laughs> yes, Dontavian Wicks. He's John looking... Wick? <laughs> it's his brother. It's his brother. Oh. Um He's looking good at Virginia practice, supposedly. They lost their leading receiver from last year, Lavelle Davis. Um, and it's kind of been a question mark as to who would take over the lead role there. Wix is 6'1", 205. I believe it is his third year on campus. He's a really good athlete. Coaches have been raving about him. Um, Colin, since you don't know who he is, do you have anything to add on this besides it just being that blurb?
1: Um, no, I don't really have anything to add to this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to try to BS anybody here. I didn't know who he was before this. Um, I mean, if he's the guy to replace Lavelle Davis, that definitely makes him intriguing. Um, six, one, two, oh five, good size. So that checks a box there, but yeah, I would have to, I, I have no idea who he is. So I would have to take a look into it. And, and UVA doesn't have a tip, a particularly explosive passing offense I mean, Armstrong is, is definitely a good fantasy option at quarterback, but it's more for his rushing ability. Um, but definitely got to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, I, I think he should definitely. I have him in a couple of cues right now in drafts. Um, I'm starting to sweat that someone might take him. Um, he's one of those guys that I would like to take in like round 43. Uh, might have to uh, accelerate that timetable a little bit. Last piece of news for tonight jackson dart is reportedly outplaying keaton slovis colin what what Whoa. was it that you were saying before this <laughs> i said in other news water is wet that's what you said yeah that that's the one um keaton slovis isn't good we've said that on the show how many times do you think i can't even count he he's not a good player jackson dart is i think it's That's it's not that much more complicated than that. Slovis is you're gonna have to pry that job from his cold dead hands, but but I think Dark Dark can slay him. You know, Dark can catch him. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I said that a little while, a
1: couple weeks ago on the show. Like earlier on in the summer, I was like, I wouldn't be that surprised if Slovis doesn't really look that great. They kind of struggle. USC ends up getting, you know, like three losses here clay helton's worried for his job and he's like well let me throw a dart ah thank you thank you second i'm a little thank slow you. on the up-tick. thank you uh let me throw a dart here and and put in my freshman quarterback and if he looks really good then maybe it saves
0: my job and buys me another year that's the big piece that that's the big piece the save his job thing because if Slovis looks bad and they lose a couple games, I think he's gone. I think they have to have he a might. very strong year this year for him to keep his job.
1: Yeah. And then the Pac 12 is so up in the air right now. Like, I, there's so many teams that I just don't really know what to think about out there. Like, I don't really know what to think about Arizona State. I don't really know what to think about Utah right now. Um, you know, those are both teams that, could challenge USC, maybe, maybe not. Um, it might end up being them in Oregon. I don't know. UCLA is is going to be a little dangerous. So the Pac-12 is pretty up in the air. So, I mean, USC is definitely going to be like the favorite in the South for sure, but I don't think it's by that much. And I think they could struggle. And you're right. I, I think if they do struggle, Clay Helton might not finish the season. But I, I I would not be shocked at all if Dart makes some starts this year.
0: You're, you're muted. I see that. I see that. Um, I've been down this road before with USC quarterbacks. Now I'm a little bit concerned about how much I'm starting to buy into Jackson Dart. Me too. Um, I have a lot of Dart. <laughs> I do too. Um, so... I like him. I, I think I said on De- I think it was on Devi debate that I said it. We had a discussion about just how we're approaching quarterback this offseason, and I said, dart is the last guy in my rankings that I felt comfortable projecting moderately comfortable projecting some sort of NFL future and a, a solid college career. I still feel that way, but he might not be the last guy anymore because he might be jumping people. but of of those um wait a year freshmen, I think I like him almost all more than almost like that situationally almost more than any of the rest of them besides Caleb Williams. Yeah, no,
1: I'm I, I'm with that. Um, Dart has climbed my rankings pretty significantly. Um, I don't have him in front of me right now, but it's like him and Thompson. Uh, um, I, I,
0: that was my. I was going to ask you who yeah. do you have him head of Thompson? That's the true test. If you don't have a Thompson, then uh,
1: it's it's really close. It's it's really close. I, I'm not. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't have my rankings pulled up here in front of me, um, but I, I'm i pretty
0: sure they're back-to-back. Yeah, and that that's Ty Thompson from Oregon there for anybody yes. um, n- not not familiar with that situation. Um, so I think it, it bears watching and monitoring, and we will see how that plays out as the season goes on. All right, Colin, cram session time. We have a wonderful guest tonight. We told him he was not allowed to talk in the Ohio State. And he was reluctant. Did he talk any Ohio State? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we recorded this one a little while ago. It was a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago that he said his breakout player is Chris Ottman. But no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> that had been really fun if we could have had someone do that. Right. Uh, but but yes, yeah, so here is Matthew Bruning to tell you uh, a little bit about what he predicts for this upcoming season. Alrighty, everyone. It is time for everyone's favorite. It is cram session time here at summer school. We have an excellent guest here for you this week. The one, the only, the biggest Homer Ohio State fan (laughs) I know, co-founder of CampusDeCanton.com, co-host of the Debbie Debate, and even after I said all that, a dear friend, Mr. Matt Bruning.
2: Matt, thank you for joining us here today. To talk a little college football. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to to be on here. Excited to be on here with you, Austin. You know, last time I got an invitation, it was just Colin. I've yet to uh, be invited back. You know, I felt like I dueled Felix in our Canton episode, and you know, I feel like the only reason I haven't been invited back is because of you. So I'm I'm excited to at least be on here for a, a ten minute segment with both of you.
0: Colin is always like, let's bring those two back on, and I, I, I nix it. He axes it time.
1: every time.
2: I yeah. understand. You do have to deal with it every Wednesday. I, I do rewatch the actual replays, and I see your eyes kind of rolling to the back of your head when <laughs> me and Felix are not you, so I completely understand. I really do.
0: I have the worst headache on Wednesdays at 1030. I can't explain it just it's <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. All right. So I I think you're familiar here with the deal. uh, But just for those that maybe this is the first time listening or or they have forgotten, uh, here's how these are going to work. We are going to ask our guest a series of three questions. One player that they uh, think will improve their stock the most this year. One player they think will hurt their stock the most this year. And then their spiciest take. I know, Matt, you said last night when we were doing that, that AMA over at the 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 discord that you know yeah. you're you know you can't handle more than you know a little bit of spice but uh i'm, I'm hoping you brought it here tonight uh, well <laughs>
2: yeah. i feel like that take doesn't apply tonight after the news that we got dropped on us but uh you know maybe maybe i'll roll with that uh so i guess my guy that i think is going to um help himself this year is austin jones he's he's a running back for stanford junior he's a guy i've talked a lot about i know colin has as well really kind of had a good year last year just to To throw this out there again, Moxley and Jarek always tell us certain things for you want to look at for, for running backs that first year, he didn't really play much. I believe it was only, I mean, he played in 12 games, but only got 45 uh, snaps there because I believe it was mostly Bryce love But last year in just five games, he ended up with a backfield dominator rating of 86.9%. So, I mean, he completely not only dominated that backfield, but produced ended up with 550 yards on 126 carries. And he's also a decent receiver, 21 catches last year in just five games. So, I mean, you extrapolate that out – He's going close to 30-something, which, Austin, we talked a little bit. You just mentioned that AMA. That's something you don't really see out of running backs at the college level. So to get that at Stanford in a – I'm sorry, six-game set I think is really good. He's a guy I think is really going to pop this year. Stanford I think is going to be more of a running attack offense. And one thing we continually talk about is outside of Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, there is no one who's really taking control of that running back three in this class. Outside of him not having that home run speed that he's gonna outrun every single defender to the end zone once he hits a hole, there is no weakness in Austin Jones game. You guys know I love the vision and lateral quickness for a bigger back. He's he's 5'10, 201. So he could put on a little bit of weight, obviously. Not not you'd like to see him probably run that 210 range, but still he's got a really good ladder agility. I love his vision. So all about everything about his game, I love. He's a guy, I think with way Stanford runs their offense could really improve his stock this year and end up being that running back three in the 2022 class.
1: Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll echo that. I love that. Um, I love your take on, on Austin Jones. I, I think he's super undervalued right now.
0: So, okay, so that's, I didn't realize he was only 201. I thought he was a little bigger than that. So did that, I. That I will lie. Me. So did yeah, I. Yeah. I did, too. Um, did, did, I did in, too. Did an intern mess up the 01 and the 10? I <laughs> hope so. I or? hope so.
2: Like, I, I really thought he was like 210. So I went, and I was like, let me double check before I say, and it's like, oh, wow, he's 201. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you realistically like to see him get a little bit bigger, but I still, I don't think that's, even if he can get up to 206, I think he can still produce at the NFL level.
1: Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I don't think there's any reason why he can't get up to to 10 and still produce the way that he did here in college because athleticism is not his game. So I don't think packing on an extra nine pounds is really going to make that much of a difference for somebody who, I mean, athletically, like I said, it's, it's not his strong suit right now. You know, you, the strong suit is the pass catching ability, the patience, yeah. the vision. So I, I think, you know, very easily he could bulk up to that two ten mark. Mark. Um, and then like you said, yeah, we're looking at potentially the RB three in this class. So with that in mind, then who's the player that you think is going to hurt himself the most this year?
2: So I'm going to go with a guy. I don't think uh, many people are expecting uh, someone to say the, the Twitter GMs and scouts are all loving this guy all over the place. We've talked a lot about him on Debbie debate and campus of Canton. And I'm going to go with Malik Willis. He, Went out last year, had a really good year for Liberty in 10 games, 64% completion percentage, 2,200 yards. Uh, What was it? 20 touchdowns and six interceptions. Obviously, we know he's a very good rushing quarterback as well, almost 1,000 yards, 944. But I think he can go out this year and play worse than he did last year, and that is going to take away the quote-unquote first-round draft capital he seems to have secured, at least for what a lot of people are saying. And there are people who are connected to the NFL that are saying he's got that first-round draft capital as well. So I don't think that's coming from nowhere. Doesn't have a difficult schedule, but there are a couple games in there I think he could struggle with, and if he goes out there, the biggest one being an Ole Miss team that a lot of people are going to be paying attention to, that is going to be a highlight game that weekend on November 6th. If he goes out there and struggles against that defense – I think he could really end up hurting his draft capital. I mean, he's a guy that I'm lower on anyways, but I think all the people were out there touting him as like the third quarterback in this class after a bad game like that, or possibly a couple other bad games against lower competition. He's a guy who's going to drop down a little bit because keeps getting compared to Lamar Jackson. And I think, there's only one, like, much like Patrick Mahomes. There's only one Lamar Jackson. I, I don't think it's fair to say he's that. Lamar Jackson is a unicorn. What what he's able to do with his legs and his arm is not going to be repeatable, and I don't see that in Malik Willis.
0: No, I think that's fair. I mean, that that was my argument for Desmond Ritter when I said that I think he's the, the the guy. I mean, you you project these like you're saying Malik Willis is a first rounder now. Yeah, because you expect him to grow. If there's no yeah. growth. Where you know what do we do with these guys? Yes, I think he falls uh, firmly in that category as well. And I, I call, and I'm pretty sure you do too, right? Not, not to put words in your mouth here.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you. Yes, Um I think that he's very, very toolsy, but very limited in his in the technical side of the game. I, I think he's very limited as far as reading defenses. He's pretty much only works half of the field at a time. Um, I, you know, you've touched on it before. He only really throws that fastball. So he's got a cannon, but he can't really use the touch on it. And I think these things are going to start at, you know, as people start dissecting him more as a serious draft prospect, I think you're going to start to see those things. So even if he does go out and, and put up another statistical season, like he did last year, which given the schedule that they have this year, I think is possible I, even if he does that, I think he, you know the first round buzz on him is going to start to die a little bit.
0: All right, Matt. So the moment that you know I think is going to be our favorite here in these this series <laughs> of interviews, um, your hottest take for this year.
2: Well, I'm going to stick with what I said on the AMA. I'm just going to go with it. I think okay. it's because I, I truly believe that this is possible. We talked uh, on the AMA yesterday about who the Heisman, who are, who our pick is for Heisman. And I, I did say Sam Howe because I do think he's going to end up beating Clemson, which apparently seemed to be quite a hot take. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But the one I'm going to go with is Kyle McCord. They have C.J. Stroud listed as a top five quarterback in the odds to win the Heisman. If I'm really going to put all my chips in and I continue to say Kyle McCord's going to win the job, and even with the news dropping today, I still expect that to happen, why would he not still be right there with C.J. Stroud in odds? Maybe even lower. As we talked about, you can't even get odds on him right now, probably. But if he ends up winning the job and he is the starting quarterback of Ohio State, why is it they think he can't win the Heisman if C.J. Stroud can I think that he is the more talented quarterback. He's going to win the job. He's going to take the Buckeyes to the playoffs, and if that happens, I don't see – Spencer Rattler I think is going to crumble, so that may be another hot take. I don't think he's as good as everybody says he is. I don't think DJU is going to win at JT Daniels, so then it comes down to me, Sam Howell or Kyle McCord, and I'm going to take Kyle McCord to win the Heisman in 2021.
0: From a game theory perspective, I can respect the uh, the take as it relates to CJ Stroud. From just a common sense point of view, I can't uh, I can't do it. So I, I, that is a very spicy take, man. I will give that one to you. So that that might I I I here is my hot take. That's the hottest take we we hear on this series that we're doing. Yeah, so, so.
1: yeah. I I like CJ Stroud. I really do. But every time you start talking about Kyle McCord, like I get a little bit nervous, and I'm like. I have so I have CJ Stroud as my QB5 which is right in line with Austin, right in line with Jarek. Um Chris as well has him at 7. But every time I, I every time I hear you talk Kyle McCord that little bit of doubt creeps in the back of my mind. I'm like, do I really feel that good about it? And I just took my CJ Str- first CJ Stroud CJ Stroud share uh last Well, it was a couple days ago in in this most recent draft, and now we got that news like you're talking about. So now I'm like, I don't know what to do.
2: You know, it's disappointing too because as much as I talk up Kyle McCord, and I was talking to Austin about this recently, I only have like two shares of him in all of the (laughs) C two C leagues I'm in because everybody takes him like way like they're taking him like the sixth round. I'm like, guys, like calm down. He he's not even been named the starter yet. You guys are taking him like two rounds after CJ Stroud. So,
0: yeah, all right. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us here tonight. Um, again, follow Matt on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. You can find all of his work, I believe, unless you're cheating on us, over at the Campus <laughs> to Canton site. Uh, cheating on a lot of people, not you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're going to make this be a limited release. All right. All, right. all talking about the spiciest take. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Matt. Um, and Thank you guys for having on. me. On with the show. You know, I don't know why I I I thought that he didn't talk any Ohio State because his freaking bold prediction is the yeah. most is the most homer thing I've ever heard in my life. Literally, <laughs> it, it, Kyle McCord is going to win the Heisman. The game theory behind that is very solid. Yeah, the common sense behind it is really not <laughs> very.
1: <laughs> I mean, you got to give him props. He's he has backed himself into a corner. And he's like a rabid mongoose right now. He's just he's just going wild. He's 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 defending it to the last breath.
0: Yeah, the backed himself into a corner is the perfect way to put it. (laughs) There is no going back because he knows if he does that Felix and I will never let him hear the end of it over on Debbie debate. Um, But still a great, great interview with Matt as always. I always like hearing what he's got to say. Colin, are you ready to talk some Mountain West football? Let's do this. Cool beans. All right. So the Mountain West generally does pr- pretty well. You know, they, they have a team that's usually in the top, you know, 15 of the, of the rankings. Uh, and there are usually some guys that come out of this conference as well. Uh, the big teams probably this year, especially for for C2C fan and CFF purposes here. We're looking at uh, Nevada's got a pretty uh, nice roster for that. Fresno State should look pretty good. Hawaii usually does. Boise. Uh, has a couple names, and then there's a, a smattering here or there. You know, you've got a couple guys on Colorado State, you got a couple guys on on um, Wyoming, um, but but I think th- those three there four there are kind of the the big schools, the big dogs here. Three. Uh, so uh, just as if uh, anybody that hasn't been listening to these or just wants a refresher, uh, we're breaking these into a couple different categories. We have our must haves, we have our maybe relevance. And then we have our stashes. And then at the end, we'll kind of talk about maybe a couple of guys that we're avoiding uh, based on what the ADP is currently looking like. So I have three must-have quarterbacks down here, Colin. And funny enough, they come from those three of those four teams (laughs) that we just talked about. Wow. It's almost like college football is extremely quarterback-driven. Who would have thought? Um, We have Carson Strong from Nevada, Jake Hayner from Fresno State, and uh, Shevin Cordero from Hawaii. Um, All three of those guys were top 30 options last year. So quarterback, you know, two and a half or better uh, mid-tier QB threes on a per per game basis. Carson Strong was quarterback 30 with 23.5 points per game. Jake Hayner was QB 19 with 25.9. And Cordero was QB 25 with 25.3. So they're all very close there together. A lot of very weak defenses in the conference. I guess my first question I'm actually going to ask you, Colin, is um, you know we talked a little bit with John Lobb earlier this week. He said that Carson Strong is a guy that stock is going to go down this year. How do you feel about Carson Strong's pro prospects?
1: So, uh, for Carson Strong, I, I agree a lot with what John Lobb said. He's born about maybe a decade too late um, because I think he's he's a great pocket passer. He's got that big arm. You love to see that. Um, he reads a defense well. Is, too. So like, and I think he could do that at, at the NFL level. Um, I just don't see the ceiling there for him. I don't see the ceiling from a fantasy fantasy perspective. I don't see the ceiling there for NFL, like leading a team perspective either. Um, I think that he's just, he doesn't have what the NFL is looking for anymore. Um, so I don't see him getting first round draft capital. I think he would have to just go out there and absolutely blow everybody out of the water uh, in terms of passing numbers. like he would have to have mac jones a Mac Jones season last year or better even um to to even really be considered in the first round, and even then i don't I don't know because he's doing it at Nevada. So I don't really see him being a first round quarterback. I think second round, uh, maybe even third round is is probably pretty. Uh, is probably pretty decent in that Kyle Trask range, Um, you know, this year, not comparing them as prospects, obviously, but in, in that range of, of, in the draft. And I think he has that type of an NFL future as well, where he'll, he'll definitely stick around on a roster for an NFL roster for probably like, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, he could be like a chase Daniel type where he just hangs around and, you know, he gets some starts here and there and bridges is the bridge quarterback to another team and another team's hopefully future franchise quarterback? Um, but I don't see him being a long term starter in the NFL.
0: I really don't either. I think it's going to take a lot of, um, it, it's one of those where, like, you know, the his, his path and there's like a branch here, a branch here, and yet like it just has to keep hitting the correct branch off of this. Yeah. For he has to catch a lot of breaks. Um, I, I'm not sure that that's. In the cards for him, but I think he's going to have a very good year. Now, again, he had that amazing year last year, and that's why everybody loves him. He still was only QB thirty on a point per game right. basis. Like that's like what John Law was talking about, where he is probably a better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Yeah, but Ritter's going to score so many more fantasy points this year. And I would wager probably, as long as he doesn't totally implode this year, that he will go before Carson Strong on day two. Ritter will. Yeah. But that, I mean, that, that's just the kind of player that that Strong is. And I also think he's a little less consistent um, than, than people want to um, necessarily talk about. But, but he doesn't make a lot of really bad mistakes. Uh, and he does have some nice arm talent there. So can and he pushes the ball downfield. He does, he does. Um, and he does get Elijah Cooks back this year, who is probably his favorite target. And we'll talk about him here in a minute. So all good things there for him. Jake Hayner, uh, Felix's favorite guy. QB nineteen last year. They passed the ball about I think, oh, I think over forty times a game at Fresno. You're you've been a big proponent of saying you don't think they can keep that pace up. You you're still on that. Um, I think the pace is going to drop some,
1: but I don't think it's going to drop a ton. I still think they're going to be one of the most pass heavy teams in in the league or in the country. Um, I think they were what the fifth heaviest, fifth pass heaviest offense or ninth or something like that. I think, you know, maybe you're looking at closer to 15 to 20 range maybe. Um, but I mean, based on the history of the, of the head coach there, you know, I, it wouldn't be the craziest thing for them to stick around in that five to nine range. I just think it's more likely they're in that 15 to 20 range and they take a step back and a little bit.
0: Yeah. The thing with Fresno is that I don't think their defense is very good from things that I've read. So I think that that raises the passing ceiling a little bit and their are two best offensive skill players. One of them is a running back, but his, you know, Ronnie rivers, who, again, we're going to talk about here in a minute. His best skill is probably catching the ball like if he's going to make a name for himself at all in the NFL, Ronnie Rivers, it's going to be as kind of a third down back in my opinion. You would you agree with that? Like so, I think the, like the fact that Rivers best skill is his pass catching is their starting running back and then you have Jalen Cropper who is a very good receiver in his own right. I think that also points to, you know, if you're Uh, coaching staff and you're trying to get the ball in your best player's hands in in the best way. I think that will help keep that passing uh, those passing numbers up uh, considerably.
1: Yeah. I mean, that definitely, that's definitely possible. Um, Like I I could, I could end up looking very dumb on this take, but and I'm not saying that I'm out on any of those options that you just mentioned. Like we can definitely talk about Cropper and Rivers when we get there, but I like Jake Hayner. I think he's gonna be a very good fantasy option at quarterback this year. I think he's a great value for where he's going in drafts. And I believe that uh what Felix and Matt had a a whole Hayner versus Gannell argument too. Like um probably would lean Hayner in there there in that one too. So
0: yeah, I like Kaner. And then Cordero, I mean, Hawaii, uh, Rulovich isn't there anymore, but I'm pretty sure they have another coach that's plugged in there that does, does the run and shoot thing. Um, so he's going to get a ton of points. Um, last year, uh, you know, to pass for about 2,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions in nine games. So that offense, it's it always clicks there. It's going to click this year.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I think Cordero is a guy who's a good value as well because, you know, put up. QB 25 last numbers last year. I think that's very repeatable for him again. You know, could end up in the QB 20, 25 range. Um, so, yeah, I like I like Cordero a lot, too. Um, and like you said, you know, they did lose Rolovich to Washington State, but it's going to be basically the same type of offensive scheme. So
0: Yeah, no, no matter what, they, they seem to kind of cycle through those guys there. And I will admit, actually, um, Hawaii is one of those teams that I just don't watch a lot of. Like yeah. I could, I couldn't sit down and give you a scouting report on Cordero. What I could sit down and say, this is what this offense does year over year, and so that's why he kind of falls into into this range. Uh, but yeah, I would be lying to you. I've watched a little bit of Calvin Turner, and he's an intriguing player, and we'll talk about him here in a few minutes. But um, but yeah, Cordero, I I, I don't have a, a real read on on him at all. No, and I mean Hawaii perpetually puts out these
1: high volume passers high you know lots of stats and then they don't really do anything in the nfl r.i.p Cole brennan um so you know I, I don't necessarily think he's gonna be much in the nfl uh but i, I also would be lying to you if i said I, I watched really more than one or two games of hawaii uh they're just they're not really a team that i watch either you know the the time, People complain about the uh, Pac 12 being hard to watch. Well, Hawaii's like a whole nother, I don't even know how many hours behind. So,
0: yeah, a, a lot. I don't know either. Um, all right. So, running backs, I'm just counting up real quick how many we have in the must have section. I believe we have five. One, two, three, four. That's five. about right. Yes. Okay. Um, Ronnie Rivers is the first name I have down here at Fresno. We just talked about him a little bit. Uh, just, just to kind of give you guys an idea, this will be his fifth year, and it's. And we, I thought he was going to leave no matter what, and then it, he announced really late, and I think like didn't even really announce it. They were just kind of like, oh yeah, and, and and Ronnie Rivers is back. And I was like, oh okay, cool. Uh, last year he was the RB eight um, on a per game basis. points per game. And and here's kind of what his stat lines have looked like the past few years. In 2018, as a sophomore, he ran for 743 yards on 5.6 yards per carry and 10 touchdowns, then another 26 catches for 311 yards and three touchdowns. Last year, or two years, and then 2019, he went uh, 900 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns, 43 catches for 352 yards. Last year in six games, he had 500 yards rushing and then another 27 catches. He He's caught 116 passes in his career so far. That is insane for a college running back. He gives you a very solid floor because of that. And I, he probably doesn't have the ceiling that, that you would project out of like maybe Brees Hall or something. But but he's a guy that I have a lot of Ronnie Rivers and I, I, I feel very comfortable starting him week over week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he's one of the safest floor running backs, if not the safest floor running back out there. Um, doesn't really have the ceiling because, so you said, you know, he doesn't. Uh, his rushing numbers aren't as great. Um, you know, his touchdowns are are fine you know his touchdown numbers are decent averages you know maybe like a little over one a game um but he's not gonna put up like the three rushing touchdown game that like Brees hall could but uh yeah super safe running back i have him in a couple different places as well and you know if you're just looking for a college producer running back very safe very very good value where he goes and then I also think he's going to latch on to a team at the NFL level and be a pass-catching running back there. I mean, you know, a lot of teams need those types of guys. I could see him filling a, maybe not as high ceiling, but a James White-esque type of a role, a Gio Bernard type of a role, and, you know, latching on to a team there for, you know, maybe four, five, six years.
0: Yeah, and he's got the NFL bloodlines. His dad, Rodney Rivers, played in the NFL for years. I believe he played for... um Rodney or Ron, I forget which, uh, but he, um, he played for uh, Felix's loser Lions. So that's why Felix <laughs> likes Ronnie Rivers so much. Um, George Holani at Boise State, really crappy year last year, but also was injured. But as a true freshman in 2019, he had over a 1,000 yards and 26 catches. So we were just talking about uh, Ronnie Rivers as a, a pass catching threat. Holani can be as well. Um, there is a little bit of concern for me because Brian Harson is no longer there, as we've talked about with uh, in, in relation to Tank Bigsby, uh, because he finds a running back and he feeds him, and he feeds him, and he feeds him, and he feeds him. Not 100 percent sure if the staff will continue to do that there, but if they do, Halani, he's he's gonna he'll he he's definitely he would definitely be startable, and he'll probably be an RB two or RB three at worst if that's to happen. Yeah, I
1: I think that Holani's year last year is a bit of an outlier. It was a little tough. You know, like You said he got banged up. Um, didn't have a lot of work in those three games, but I still think he's the most talented running back on Boise. It's not Brian Harson's offense anymore, but I still think he's going to get some nice touches over the, throughout the year. You know, he could be, he'll be a startable fantasy option for you. Don't know if I see the athleticism for an NFL future. But, um, you know, he'll be a good college producer for you at least.
0: Yeah, I, I think he struggles athletically, to be honest. Um, I, I would be shocked if he's anything more than a, a day three NFL pick. Um, Calvin Turner, again, a guy we talked about it at, at, from Hawaii earlier. RB 27 last year, 19.36 points per game. And again, pass catching, 33 catches last year. Turner's an interesting guy because I believe he used to be a quarterback. And he transitioned to running back. Um, and according to Fantrax, he was also a, a cornerback for about two days this <laughs> summer. Oh, man. Fantrax is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, but but he's a good player. I think he's going to have a big year as well, again, in that strong offense.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, Hawaii's running backs put up solid numbers year in and year out, um, like you said, in that run and shoot offense, uh, especially when they can lean on one guy, which um they'll probably do with turner um they do have another guy that we will hit on a little bit later but you know overall i think turner will be the guy there i think he'll put up a nice year a nice fantasy year this year for you and he
0: goes real late so yes he he really really does um and he's i think he's an nfl level athlete from from what i've watched to yeah. him i really do so um yeah i th- i think he's nfl bound here after this year uh greg bell at san diego state a uh, little bit of one of those like small meatball kind of backs, but very effective <laughs> last year. RB forty four, Meatbell. meatball. Oh yeah, bell cow, <laughs> Meatbell. I like that actually. Um, Thank you. So he's he's a transfer. Last year was his first year at San Diego State, but they're a team that fa- has a guy and they and they feed him. They've had a lot of really big um, uh, running back seasons over the years. I mean, Rashad Penny was there, and uh, who was there before him or after? Someone almost broke a NCAA career record. Was that Penny? Yeah. Yeah, they,
1: but they um, always No, no, no. It was um Danelle Pumphrey.
0: Yes, P- Pumphrey who's like a total bum in the NFL. But they always <laughs> have a guy that that is, you know, a high-end running back uh for CFF purposes. Um Bell's going to be that this year and last year in 7 games, 637 yards, six touchdowns and he caught 11 11 passes. That's not bad for him either. Um so Greg Bell is probably one of those guys like I think he even goes later than Calvin Turner, and I think he's he he can almost equal what Turner does this year um, at, at San Diego State.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think like you said, uh, San Diego State always has a running back that's fantasy relevant there. Like that's just kind of what they do um, year in and year out, whether they make it anything in the NFL, you know, Rashad Penny first round pick. Probably a horrible decision. Hasn't really done anything. Probably won't do, ever do anything. Um, you know, Greg Bell's not in danger of, of getting that type of NFL draft capital or that kind of NFL hype, but he could definitely put up numbers similar to what they were putting up in college. So, yeah, I think – and and he's basically free. He goes real late too. Um, he really, really does. Admittedly, I dropped the ball and didn't put the ADP in here into the she, into the show sheet because so I was driving ho- uh, home. So that's on me for not having that in there, but he goes
0: late. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised he's only listed at 200 pounds because he looks beefier than that uh, when he runs. That, that's surprising. I actually they had not really looked at his um, size before right now. Um, last running back. Back here in our must-haves is he was 30 last year, uh, 19, uh, exa- almost exactly 19 fantasy points per game in five games, uh, 550 yards rushing, and four touchdowns and 13 catches. The, the pass catching is a consistent here for these Mountain West backs. Um, A guy that I had going into last year, and I haven't really watched any Wyoming last year. That that team was terrible with with Sean Chambers out. Um, But I had like a fourth round grade on Balladay. And I think he can be an NFL back. Like, I don't think he's that much worse of a prospect than like Khalil Herbert was in like the dynasty community or or guys like that. He's really not a, a bad... A bad player at all. I, I like xavian Balladay.
1: Yeah. Um, I think he'll get drafted. Um, you know, he'll, he has a potential NFL future. And with, um, Chambers, uh, back at quarterback, like, likely back at quarterback there this year, um, I think that raises the floor for that rushing attack as a whole. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, um, uh, the podfather likes to say the Alfred Morris corollary where, you know, he's going to get some rushing numbers because it's going to, he's with the Russian quarterback. Uh, he, so he's going to get some, he's going to, I think RB 30 last year was kind of the floor for him. I think he's going to have a better year this, this coming year. Um, you know, so I, I could see him getting up into like the RB
0: 20 ish range. So yeah, I like validate as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And the season before last year, uh, he had 247 carries for 1265 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, he had the touchdowns weren't the the, vo- the t- touchdown volume will never be there because that offense isn't very good outside of him. But um, but yeah, Valade is a good player. Wide receiver, we have a lot of wide receivers. It's a very pass happy conference. I, I kind of double counted. I I have, well, I have Dubs and Cooks as one player. Uh, But I have like six guys here. Uh, Khalil Shakir is my top guy here in the conference and I think can make a play at the wide receiver one uh, for this year. Uh, Last year, wide receiver 12 on a point per game basis, 21.24. And that was with a lot of uh, kind of a rotating door at quarterback there with Hank Bachmeyer being uh, banged up. Uh, 52 catches, 719 yards and six touchdowns. And they give him rushing uh, attempts as well. Uh, he had 17 carries for 148 yards. He's a very versatile player. I think he can get day two draft capital. I've been on the record many times saying that. Colin, are you high on Shakir as like a, a pro prospect, or you think he's a college-only guy?
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm high on uh I'm high on him as as with NFL potential as well. I think he's gonna be a day two guy. Um, he's a little bit gadgety, but uh, you know, so I need to see some refinement, uh, as a receiver, you know, in his route running and, and a little bit more on the mental side of things, but I still think he's fine as a receiver. And then he brings a lot to, uh, a lot of dynamism to the offense there too. You know, you can use him in a different num- number of different ways, like you were mentioning. So I think he's like a day two guy, um, round three, you know, maybe sneaks his way into the back of round, uh, of round two but, um, probably more likely round three, but that's still within that, you know, hit range that you want to see. That's the draft capital you want to see. And then, like you said, he could make a play at the number one wide receiver this year. Um, you know, he, he, they brought in a new offensive coordinator, Tim Plow, um, who came over from UC Davis and UC and at UC Davis, um, you know, he was part of a prolific Passing offenses there, you know, year in and year out. Um, and he produced a couple of guys that, you know, he produced Keelan Doss who made the NFL from the uh, the FCS level, which is, you know, not, not anything to scoff at there. Um, you know, and he just kind of develops wide receivers there too. You know, he constantly had wide receivers on the uh, Walter Payton watch list, uh, which is the Walter Payton award is the FCS player of the year kind of like their version of the Heisman but he constantly had players on the watch list there for that so he gets his wide receivers involved a lot he has pretty prolific passing attacks and Khalil Shakir last year already in what was kind of a weird awkward year uh, with quarterbacks kind of in and out uh, was on the wide receiver 12 so I could see that being a very nice floor for him and then like you said wide receiver one ceiling.
0: Um, and uh, the second guy here, Jalen Cropper from uh, Fresno wide receiver 30 last year, uh, 17.03 points per game. Um, last season, he really kind of took off 37 catches, 520 yards, five touchdowns in an abbreviated six game season. Um, Cropper, I think he could be a wide receiver one for fantasy this year. I'm not necessarily betting on that to happen but I think that offense is really going to just kind of rotate between, you know, it's going to be Hayner, rivers and Cropper kind of like a, you know, a a fantasy triangle, so to speak. I, I definitely think that he can, that he can average over 20 points per game.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think Cropper definitely could be a wide receiver one this year. Um, I think a lot of that passing attack is going to kind of funnel through him. Um, Rivers will obviously get his too, but he's a running back. So, you know if, if Rivers gets you know 30 40 catches a year that's pretty good i think the rest of the, a lot of the rest of that is going to go to cropper um and like we talked about when we were talking about Hainer you know it's going to be a pretty high volume passing offense whether it's as as high as it was last year or, or a little bit under who you know who knows um but either way high vol- high volume offense going to be funneled through one guy that's a guy that i
0: want yeah, I agreed, and I think he has, and I think he has day two potential as well. He's a little skinny. Uh, I believe he was listed at one sixty 160 or one sixty five, but I'm pretty sure he's bulked up a few pounds. And he won their, um They have like a, a, a spring award for the guy that like is working the hardest in the weight room or whatever, and he won it there for them. I, I think that's something. He's six foot one seventy two now. I believe he was six okay. foot one sixty last year. If he can. Yeah, right around 180 there i feel really good about him i think he's a good athlete i think he has pretty solid hands uh, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands um i i think he's he's one of those guys that could be worth a lot more next he does what i think he can do this year yeah
1: and his freshman his true uh, freshman I, year too yeah. they gave him 20 carries so you know they like to get the ball yeah. in his hands i don't know if he'll get 20 carries again but it just shows some versatility at least
0: Wow, have some faith, Colin. Geez. No, I I kind of suspect they won't either. They have a pretty loaded um, running back room there. A couple other wide receivers here. Dante Wright, uh, wide receiver 51 last year. Colorado State is actually weirdly kind of a wide receiver factory. Uh, Over the past couple years, they've put, what, Preston Williams, Warren Jackson, and um, somebody else, too, in the NFL. Yeah,
1: there was one before Williams, I think. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I'm struggling. Um, uh, Michael Gallup, yes, yes, yeah. So I uh, good receivers too. I mean, these are guys that have, that have been relevant in the NFL. Have been relevant for fantasy. Um, Wright is a little different than all those guys. You know, they're they're all uh, kind of bigger wide receivers. With obviously Warren Jackson being the. Um, The the far end of the spectrum there. Wright is smaller. He is not a big guy. He's not going to win a ton of jump ball stuff. He's not going to win a lot with his physicality. He's 5'9", 180. Um, But he's very well-rounded. He can do a little bit of everything. I think he wins deep well. I think he can work short intermediate areas pretty well. I think he's very underrated. Um, he's got some nice looking advanced statistics there. Uh, over the past, you know, as a true freshman in 2019, he went 57 for 805 and four, and then last year in three games, put up 20 for 315. He's a really good player. Um, I, I think that he has more of an NFL future than people think. Maybe I'm just, I feel like I'm a pretty strict raider, but all these guys tonight, I'm just going, I think he has more of a future than we think he does. I don't, maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm growing soft in my old age here. I don't know.
1: You're, you're definitely getting soft now. Um, now my I like I agree with pretty much everything you said about Dante Wright. My only concern with Dante Wright is one, it's a little bit about the size, so that makes me kind of question the NFL future there. Uh, but two, I worry about uh, the new head coach there. It was Adazio, I think is his name. Came yeah, from I came
0: over from Boston. Yeah,
1: College. came over from Boston College, and he is just not a passing. Uh, he does not run a passing offense. They pound the rock. They give the ball to their running back a ton. You know, he was there when they had Andre Williams, he at Boston college, he was there when they had AJ Dillon, David Bailey, who came to Colorado state with him. He just likes to pound the rock with these big athletic straight line runners. And that's what I worry about. I worry about the volume that Dante Wright is going to see with the new offensive coordinator, or the new head coach. So I like Dante Wright where, as a prospect, probably, and I like everything you said about him. I just worry a little bit about the new scheme.
0: Um, I it doesn't worry me that much because I think even with not that great a volume and not that great a quarterback play in the past, he's made something uh, of himself. So um, I'm not. I, I think like maybe the third round would probably be his ceiling just because of his size uh, and probably day three if we're being completely, you know, honest with ourselves here, but uh, I I like him. I really, really do. Um, I I, I grouped up Nevada's wide receivers here as one group. Um, Romeo dubs and Elijah cooks dubs last year was wide receiver. 15 with 17 uh, points per game last year, which, so just, just to kind of show you guys like the margins here. So Dante Wright was wide receiver 51 last year on a per game basis, 15 points per game. 15.03. Dubs was wide receiver 15 at 17.09. So two points bumps you like 30 spots in these rankings. So there's not a lot separating some of these guys. Um, but, yeah, Dubs had a good year last year with Elijah Cooks injured. He had 58 for a 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. I grouped them together because I – Dubs is not draftable, like is barely draftable in C2C drafts to me. and That's probably a hot take, but here's why. I think, yes, I think that any time that he's been paired with Elijah Cooks, they've been there together for three years, and Cooks, Cooks has been there four years, Dubs has been there three years. So every year that Dubs has been there, Cooks has been there too. Cooks has just outproduced them. As long as Cooks has been healthy, Cooks has outproduced them. Now, granted, that's kind of a question mark with Cooks, But I think Strong likes Cooks more, and they also have to compete for a lot of touches with Torrey Horton, who broke out last year as a true freshman, with Cole Turner, who's a really good tight end, with Toa Tawa, who's a pass-catching running back. So I I think the path to a wide receiver 15 finish for him is damn near impossible.
1: Yeah, I think... That I don't think we're going to see the same type of season from him again this year for all the reasons that you outlined there. I mean, Cooks has outproduced him when they've been on the field together at the same time. Cole Turner is also possibly the, you know, fantasy tight end one for college this year. You know, I think he's going to produce a lot. So Tua Tawa's there. Torrey Horton, like you said, too. So a lot of mouths to feed um i don't know if i would say he's borderline not draftable he's definitely not draftable as a at his adp though i do not have
0: dubs anywhere so i the one thing is like i also don't really like him as an nfl guy like i think I, he has one trick and i don't think he's great at it go deep and try to moss somebody i don't think that's going to work for him moving forward
1: I question whether that'll work for him at the next level, but he does have good size. He does have pretty good athleticism as well. So um, I think there is is some NFL potential there, uh, but I'm not as high on on his NFL potential as some are. And then, you know, but but like I said, where he's going in drafts, like I'm, I'm out, I'm
0: out. There are so many mouths to feed there that I feel really good about projecting Carson Strong for a, a, a nice passing year but I don't really feel that great about projecting any of the weapons there to just, you know, blow the doors off of their ADP. Really? I I think that's a difficult ask cooks included in that.
1: Yeah. Um, I, because tight end is just such an absolute wasteland at at, at most times. And it's so hard to predict in college. It's even harder to predict in college than it in pro I think because it's very dependent on scheme. Um, there's some guys who are just so are very transcendent talents that may you know break that but I think that because it's so hard to predict tight end I do like Turner now his ADP is definitely climbing it is uh, climbed all offseason it's at a point where it's tough to draft him um Jared um from chasing the natty uh, had you know when, when we were doing our mock um you know he was saying that You know why take Turner in round seven when you can get some of these other guys later as well, and that's definitely a valid point. But I still, and and that's for CFF um, round seven. He doesn't go round seven for C two C. No, but you know why take him there? I, I still just I feel a lot safer with Turner being and putting up tight end production that I think he will be fine at his ADP.
0: Okay. I, mean, I I think um, I'm just a little lower on the weapons overall there, except for Turner. I do like Turner. Um, so agree with that. Um, we have two tight ends here um, that, that are both must have um, Trey McBride, Colorado state and Cole Turner, who we just talked about in Nevada. I think we've kind of already hit the, the, the Cole Turner talk. We don't have to do too much of that. But I think he's a day two NFL draft pick next year. Should he come out? Former, wide receiver, turn tight end, which is kind of what you want at the position. But Trey McBride is the other guy, and, and him and him and Turner on a per game basis last year were tight end two and tight end three. Um, I stupidly asked Colin who was tight end one before we started the show. <laughs> and I, I guess that Colin said that it's this guy named Kyle Pitts who I'm not really that familiar with, but um, I guess he's in the NFL now, so um, good for him. Um, so yeah we have, we have uh, mcBride and Turner here and McBride is probably a little slept on for what he should be at um and it's probably because of the their shortened season with only the four games last year but he's he's got okay size he, he's six4 to60 um and yeah he's an he's an okay athlete but he's a really good pass catcher he, he really really is I think there's a role for him in the NFL uh, albeit probably on day three.
1: Yeah, I think there's a role for him in the NFL, and I think he'll put up good numbers this year. But again, it just kind of goes back to me worrying about the passing volume at Colorado State this year um, with him and Dante Wright. I don't know if that offense will be able to support both of them. So I don't know which one it's going to support. So I do worry about McBride there, but he doesn't really go early enough that it's a problem. So you can take McBride and probably get some solid uh, um, college production this year if it's not tight end two, but still solid. And then like you said, you know, probably a role in the NFL as well. Um, just kind of move tight end, catching some passes. So yeah, I, I like McBride.
0: Muted. Okay, here we are. Um, <laughs> man, twice in one night. So we're going to move on here to maybe relevant guys. And I think the list starts to thin out here a little bit. There's a lot of high end guys. And then, uh um, uh, so uh, some other rosterable players here, um, three quarterbacks really to look at, but two of them are kind of, you know, we're looking more at the situation, Nick Starkle, who's at San Jose state QB 54 last year. I think he's probably rosterable. I'm a little lower on him than our colleague, Chris Moxley, who did the mountain West, uh, breakdown articles for them. I just, uh, like, he's bounced around. He's like a fifth- or sixth-year guy here in college at this point. So there's no NFL future there. But San Jose State has, over the past few years, been a pretty solid passing offense, and I think that he, you know, 20 points per game is probably about his ceiling because he's not a huge rusher either.
1: Yeah, I think that's about right, too. Um, He's I think he's rosterable because in C2C leagues, I like to have – Five ish, five to six QBs that I could start on any given week. Um, so, just based on matchups and injuries that happen throughout the year, I do like to have a fairly solid QB room built out. So, yeah, if you follow that similar draft mindset, definitely a guy that you can pick up and you'll be able to start some weeks because San Jose State does have a pretty solid passing offense. Uh, you know, so he'll put up some decent numbers through eight games last year. He put over 2000 yards passing 17 touchdowns, seven picks. So, um, you know, a little over two touchdowns a game there. So he'll put up some numbers, but no NFL future. Like you said, he's, he's, he's going to be a sixth year guy. So
0: yeah, not, not ideal. Um, the Wyoming quarterback situation. Uh, I think we like it. Uh, I and mean, I think it's going to be Sean chambers, but but he was injured last year, and I think he has some history of, of not being able to stay healthy. So um I, I put down his compatriot Levi Williams here as well. Neither of them are actually like very good quarterbacks, but they both have a nice rushing upside in that offense. Um Chambers, Chambers is bad, okay, like as a pass <laughs> as a f- he's only had one volume year, 2019. He completed forty three percent of his passes. Forty three. But that's not what we're here for. We're here for <laughs> his We're here for his rushing upside. And in eight games in 2019, uh, he had 90 rushes for 567 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, I mean, there's a legitimate, you know, 800-yard upside rushing there if he can stay healthy. And that's very valuable for a guy that either doesn't get drafted or just goes uh, uh, very, very late. I mean, he's a true zero QB uh, type target really late in drafts.
1: Yeah. Especially if you're looking for some super cheap college production, Um, they said probably not going to get it too much from him as a passer, but the
0: Konami code is, uh, is is strong with this one here. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Um, And and Williams is kind of the same way. I mean, they're, they're very similar stylistically. That's what Wyoming kind of wants here out of their quarterbacks. The other situation there is the Boise situation. And I, I think I have heard now that they are leaning Bachmeyer, but there was legitimate competition between him and Jack Sears um, over spring. Um, Sears was—he's uh, old. He was the number four pro style QB in the 2017 class. He originally went to USC and then transferred over to Boise last year. He's much more toolsy than Bachmeyer is. Like has has the better arm, uh, has some of those things going for him. Bachmeyer is your typical Boise. St- State when you the Boise State quarterback, you think of like Kellen Moore, just not an NFL level arm, but they're they're accurate and they're smart and they get the job done. Both of those guys are there. If if it's a deeper league and you need a starting quarterback, I think you should probably have one of those two. Um, but I'm not sure outside of that if they're really that rosterable. What do you think, Colin? I agree with you with Bachmeyer. Probably not being
1: an NFL guy just based on the arm. Sears if he were to start um, and looked good I could see him getting drafted I don't know if he has would have an NFL future but he would be like a late day three kind of a guy I think um, especially given his recruiting pedigree as well but I will say that I do want whoever starts uh, this whoever starts for Boise State whichever quarterback it is I do want them for fantasy purposes because like I said uh, with bringing in the new uh, offense with Tim Plough like that's a high volume passing offense. Like he, his offenses in at the FCS level at UC Davis were constantly ranking in the top ten in terms of yards, uh, passing yards per game, and, and volume overall. So, I think this is going to be a pass heavier Boise State offense than what we normally see, and that makes me interested definitely for fantasy. So, I'll be curious to see who it is that wins. It does sound like they're kind of leaning Bockmeyer. Um, if it is Bachmeyer, I think you're going to get some very nice startable weeks for him. And he goes super late because he got hurt last year. He only played a, a couple games, um, you know, and then Jack Sears came in too. And people don't really think of Boise State quarterbacks as being high volume guys. So there's definitely some value to be had there with whoever does end up being start the starter. Uh,
0: three running backs here that, that we think are probably going to be relevant. Uh, Toa Tawa at Nevada. Um, We talked about him a little bit earlier last year, RB 50 on the year, 16.57 points per game in eight games. He had 675 yards rushing and four touchdowns. And then those receptions again, there's 31 receptions for 214 yards and a touchdown. Um, So well-rounded kid there. Brad Roberts from Air Force was RB 29 last year on a point per game basis. Uh, In four games, he put up 461 yards and five touchdowns and Air Force runs the ball a lot. And then we also have David Bailey there who just recently transferred to Colorado state um, followed Adazio over from Boston college. He was supposed to kind of be the new AJ Dillon there. And then last year just didn't really work out some injuries and and some other, you know, COVID related stuff kept him out all year. Um, But he figures to probably push for close to a thousand yards this year. I, I would assume because he followed his former coach there and they needed a running back. Yeah, I think that, like I said before, when we were talking a little bit of
1: Colorado State offense, I think that he's going to have a very nice year this year. Uh, I don't know if I see an NFL future there because he's very much a straight line athlete. It's not a lot of wiggle. He's just kind of a battering ram. Uh, but in Adazio's offense, that works. Uh, you know, that he likes to lean on that. So uh, he's going to have the volume. Uh, and he goes very, very late. So I think he's definitely worth picking up there um, as a fantasy option.
0: Yeah, I I think he is as well, and I I have him a lot of places. Uh, Wide receiver, I have two wide receivers here that probably should be rostered, but I don't feel that great about either of them. Kyle Williams, who was at UNLV last year, true freshman on a team that doesn't pass the ball well. UNLV is not a good team. He had a 38% dominator, I believe. He had 35 catches for 426 yards and two touchdowns. So not a big year, but that tells you just you know what he kind of did in that in an offense that is not particularly prolific from a passing standpoint. And then you also have Devin Tompkins, who's at Utah State, who's a smaller guy, 57 seven ish, um, averaged nine point four five points per game last year. But he's an intriguing option. Is probably the lead receiver there, whether if, you know whoever the quarterback is there, Logan Bonner, I think is probably going to be the guy. Um, but the, but those guys. It should be on radars, but again, I don't know if I would want either of them on a normal 12-team, 45-man roster. Yeah, I think, I think with Utah
1: State, I am I'm definitely intrigued by Thompson because um, it was Anderson came over from Arkansas State to Utah State, and we have we've, we've talked about Arkansas State wide receivers there. They, that offense just feeds the number one wide receiver, and it's a high volume passing offense. Um, so with that new scheme there, I'm definitely intrigued by Tompkins. If he ends up being the wide receiver one there, which does sound like he probably will be. Um, so I, I wouldn't hate taking a late stab at him just for some college production. And then, you know, he can be part of my galaxy brain draft bad players. So you can drop them later strategy. I'm still looking to try
0: to get into that strategy. It's only been been a few days since you informed me of it. So I'm I'm trying to find good ways to employ it. But um, Devin Tompkins is a good way to employ it. Perfect. Um, (laughs) So some, I don't think there's any other tight ends in the league that I'm particularly interested in. Uh, Deese is a tight end right at at San Jose state. I think. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he is. I was going to make a joke there, but I decided not to. It was was low hanging. It was low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah, it, you're better than that, Colin. You're better than that. I've always said that. Um, <laughs> but there are there are quite a few stashes in this in this league that I think we need to be paying attention to, and we've kind of name dropped some of them as we've been going through here. But we'll hit them all collectively here. Clay Millen. I feel like I've your talked guy about, talked about Clay Millen every episode for the past three or four months. The heir apparent at Nevada. A a quarterback that is similarly skilled to Carson strong and that he likes to push the ball downfield and has the arm to do so. And I think he's, he's not like a rushing quarterback, but I think he's a more mobile version of Carson strong. So I think that he's a a natural successor there. And he's just one of the most obvious quarterback stashes out there that I have a lot of. Um, and then the other quarterback stash we have here is Jalen Henderson, who's at Fresno and look, he's not going to be the backup this year. He's a true freshman there, but, they don't really have a, a, a good backup there. I think he competes for that job if Hayner is to leave at the end of this year.
1: Yeah, I, I think Henderson is a guy that you probably don't need to take this year in a draft. You can just put him on a watch list, keep an eye on him. If you start to hear some good buzz at a camp that he's competing for the backup job, um, you know, keep an eye on him for the end of the year millen's a guy that you have to take though in drafts because ever since you've been talking about him like he just i feel like he just keeps going earlier like i go to look and see oh in you know round 28 or 30 or whatever be like oh let me go add millen to my queue and i'll
0: take him here soon and then he's gone so people have been taking him earlier and earlier so what the, the most annoying thing about him is so he's one of those guys that's not in fan tracks yet there is another guy named Millen. It's not Clay oh. though. It's it's Cade Millen who's at Oregon. And the most annoying thing is when people take Millen and they don't use the other Millen as a placeholder. Like come so, on, wait, guys. so he's not in fan tracks? No, at oh. least not as of yesterday or something.
1: Oh, okay. So maybe maybe he's not. <laughs> oh, maybe he's
0: always oh, not been him, but he's not in fan <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I thought
1: somebody else had him. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh. It's like round one. I'm looking to build out my queue. I'm like, damn it, somebody took Millen already?
0: Oh my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> excuse me while I go uh Go make
0: a couple picks
1: here that I'm still actually have on the clock.
0: We were just talking about before the show how I'm doing this thing where I'm only gonna be nice to you. And I feel like you're trying to like test that as much (laughs) as you can. I'm pushing it. How many how many dumb things can I say before (laughs) he just reaches through the screen and slaps me? (laughs) Uh next next stash here is Jordan Hornbeek, who's at Fresno. Hey, Colin, is he taken whenever you go to look for him in Fantrax, No, I know he's listed as a defensive okay. lineman. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, Jordan Hornbeek is is still a running back. If you look at their roster, he's listed as a running back. His size is nowhere close to defensive line, but they have him <laughs> listed as a defensive lineman on Fantrax. So take advantage of that if league mates just aren't paying attention. He's a nice stash. Could be the guy after Rivers.
1: Yeah, I think he probably will be the guy after there after rivers they don't really have anybody else um and you broke down hornbeak i think for one of our uh one of our freshman previews we did like way way back um so i mean I, i won't dive too much into it there if you want if you're interested go back find the episode dig through the archives um but no i think he has some some nice traits there that uh and he's a pretty solid pass catching back as well so pretty natural successor
0: Yeah, yeah. High three-star kid there at Fresno. Um, Torrey Horton, the wide receiver. And actually, uh, Torrey Horton and Marquis Spiker. They're both wide receivers at Nevada. Horton last year is a true freshman. I think technically broke out. 20 catches, 336 yards, five touchdowns. He probably takes more of a back seat there with Cooks there. But I think with how he played last year, they're still going to try to get him on the field a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's definitely earned himself a role. Um, So even with Cooks coming back, I think that he'll have a a couple weeks here and there where maybe he pops off, but definitely more of a play for next year when that wide receiver room thins out with
0: Cooks probably gone and Dubs also likely gone. Yeah, one of my favorite stacks is is the Millen-Horton future stack. uh, It's just so cheap. And then Spiker transferred over from Washington this year. Didn't really do anything there, but he's hoping that he can rebound himself. I believe he was a four-star kid, uh, I believe, two years ago. And then Day-Day Hunter who's at Hawaii as a, is an interesting player, um, kind of an offensive weapon slash, um, running back kind of guy for them probably will step in, uh, for Calvin Turner when he is, uh, gone, but he has not, he has nice size too at 510 to or 510, 200.
1: Yeah. This is a Chris Moxley special. I know Chris Moxley loves day, day Hunter. Um, He's been taking him in a lot of places. He was pretty upset when somebody sniped him in a draft that we're in right now. Um, but yeah, I think he's a pretty natural guy to step in for um, Calvin Turner when he goes. I, I don't know how much running back work he sees this year just because he is, like you said, more of an offensive weapon. I think they'll kind of use him all over the place. So I think Turner will still get a lot of carries this year. But without a natural successor there for Turner, Day Day Hunter can just kind of step in and then you know, definitely stash more for
0: for 2022 but still should have some productive weeks this year yeah he had like 60 touches in nine games last year so he's definitely not getting anything that would be fantasy relevant um and you might not even have to have him on your roster at this point you might might be one of those like i like to do like i'll add a bunch of guys to my watch list and in the last game of the year i i picked them all up so that they don't have to like if something happens in the offseason now you know i don't have to worry about getting them in supplemental draft um so he might be one of those guys that maybe i do that with uh this year across leagues yeah, like, that's an underrated a- that's an underrated strategy to, to, to use it's like drop the
1: like in the last week of the season there if you're not in the championship um, or, or going to you know looking like you might make it drop the guys that are like college producers who are probably going to graduate and then just pick up guys off your watch list because yep. you don't need to keep Alan Trammell on your team heading into the offseason Austin Trammell Austin
0: Trammell sorry yeah. um, any guys that you're avoiding I think we kind of touched, you talked a little bit about it, but anybody sticks out to you that you're really just, you know, hard avoiding.
1: Carson Strong worries me at his ADP um, for the reasons we touched on. What's his ADP? Um, I'm not sure, but it's probably fifth to sixth round-ish, I would guess. I think it's
0: higher than that. I'm pulling it up right now. It might be. It might be higher than that, but either way, I'm still out in that range. Edson um, Strong goes at, oh, man, in July. Pick 31 overall. Oof, that's late
1: second round, right? Or no, late third round. Mid
0: third round. Um, Mid third
1: round. That's tough. Math is hard.
0: <laughs> he He's... I don't get that. Like, I think... People are so desperate to find a quarterback in college that because, you know, the quarterback, he'll never be cheaper than he is now if he makes it the NFL. And that might be true, but I mean, just kind of looking at some of the guys that go around there uh, around the range that he does um, in, in the thirties there. So you've got him sandwiched between Michael Mayer and Eric Gilbert, but then you have like Jackson Smith and Jigba goes after him. Will Shipley, Matt Corral, who I think is a better player straight up. John Mechie, uh, Chip Trianum, LJ Johnson. Like these are all guys that I would much prefer to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't end up with him anywhere. I traded for him in one spot this off season. Um, it was earlier in the off season. It was back in like May. Um, I don't remember exactly what the deal was, but I at that point I needed a quarterback and I still probably do need a quarterback. Who's going to start this year because on that roster, I have Hudson card, Haynes King, Hank Bachmeyer as some of my other QB options and they were, they're all kind of in QB battles. So I was like, I need a guy who's definitely going to start. Um, Cause I think other than that, I have, it's a 24 teamer. I have Braxton Burmester, um, Austin on guys like that. So I needed a quarterback there, but beyond that, I have not drafted him anywhere.
0: I, I think people really need to sit down and watch him for themselves instead of just do it. Well, he's got a big arm. And he put up good stats last year. Like those things are both true. But like we talked about earlier, he's very much a statue. And also, like we talked about earlier, because he has no rushing upside, he had that amazing year last year and he was still only QB 30. Like he finished behind Cordero. If I need a quarterback, I'll go get Cordero. And I'll get Cordero 400 picks later if I don't think Carson Strong is, in the, is a starting NFL quarterback, which I don't. So, and I'm not saying that if you, you know, you're dumb if you think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL or anything, but I just think a lot of people that think that probably haven't really sat down and watched him that in depth and, and kind of thought about where the NFL has been shifting over the past few years. I think those are two difficult things. You have to really marry those two ideas in your head uh, and, and come to a conclusion on him. Yeah.
1: I I think just that ADP is just, is, is just kind of ridiculous. That ADP um, hurts. That yeah. hurts me. Um, so avoiding him there, and then the um, only other guy that I'm sort of avoiding is George Halani, um, just because like we touched on. I don't really necessarily see him as an NFL back or or any any uh, running back that makes any sort of like fantasy relevance in the NFL. Just he doesn't really have the athleticism. Um, and then the shift in system this year uh, away from Harson, I think it's going to hurt him a little bit college production wise. I think he's still going to be fine as a college producer. But his ADP is 136.9. So that's like 10th round. So I can still get some other people, some other decent guys in that range. That's a little high for me. So I don't
0: have a lot of George Helani. So can I just tell you, he, he was 133 in July. Can I tell you some of the other names that are going around him? Yes. Calvin Austin third, Khalil Shakir. Dustin Crum, Chris Hilton, Jake Garcia, Christian Leary, Dante Wright, Ulysses Bentley, Deion Smith, Mookie Cooper, LV Bunkley, Shelton. Yeah, I'll take all those guys. I'll take every single one of those guys before I'll take George Helani. 133 is is much too rich for my blood. Um, I would toss dubs in there. I'm not taking dubs at his ADP. Right, right. um, He's just – I don't think he's that level of player. And his ADP in July – um was 130. So right in that very similar round that Helani's going in, but those are the only guys that really I'm avoiding. I think everybody else here is more or less, uh, a nice value. Um, and I think like we talked about, there's a lot of NFL potential here that, that is being slept on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so that is going to do it then for tonight's show guys. Uh, make sure uh, we're going to be at the expo this week. So I'm sure there'll be some fun videos and things posted oh, yeah. on Twitter or especially in the discord. Um, if you guys are not in the discord and, and would like to, um, uh, to do that, uh, become a member of the site. Um, it is uh, only two ninety nine dollars a month uh, or $29.99 for the year. We're going to be doing all sorts of really awesome stuff this season, guys. Um, the, the, you know, the, the bookend shows on Saturdays, we've got all the podcasts, why wait till Sunday, uh, which is, uh, picked up a new co-host. It is no longer Alfred's why wait till Sunday. It is now Alfred and Chris Moxley's why wait till Sunday. So congrats to those guys. Um, you've got the fantasy football roundtable and, uh, the Debbie debates as well. Um, all sorts of articles being written, Jerick's tools, um, just a lot of different stuff going on over there. So if you've not checked all those things out, uh, please do so. We will be back. Next week with another edition here of Summer School. Uh, But until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good weekend, guys.